today on the Zabecast. Welp, it looks like Major League Baseball has signed their players up for the Batan Death March. Only nobody's going to die. Will it even feel right, though, once it happens? Andy Poland joins me to help sort that out. Plus, the Redskins' name is under fire again, and a prototypical liberal fairy tale with a predictable ending. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Monday, June 15th, 2020. Thank you for downloading. Hope you had a Cracker Jack weekend. I know I did myself. It was glorious weather here in the DMV, and I played golf on Sunday, which I'll tell you about in just a second. But first, as always, we ask our friend Grover. Grover, are we near or far from an agreement in baseball? This is near. This is far. All right, we'll uh, we'll sort that out with Andy. I think we're near far. We're far near. It's like they're not going to have an agreement, but they're going to play baseball, which is going to be super weird and kind of awkward, but oh well. At this point, that's all I can say. Oh well, whatever baseball, do what you're going to do. So I got the uh, treat to play golf with a Hall of Fame caliber hockey player. I don't know if he is in the actual Hall of Fame. He was the Capitals' all-time leading scorer for many years until Alex Ovechkin surpassed him. He is the great Peter Bondra who is an even better dude, just a great guy, easygoing, loves the game of golf, and had a wonderful time playing golf with him at uh, my buddy Ron Thomas's club called the Cannon Club, where we held our golf show, the Capital Golf Gang, on Sunday morning. And uh, it was just a great day all around. The weather was fantastic. The show went well. And I got to fire off a cannon. I'm going to post a video of that uh, shortly here. And uh, I got a free shirt and a free round of golf, which was great. The only thing was that my wrist, because you remember, well, I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast. I talked about it on my 980 show. Thursday night was a very, very, very bad night for me. Um, I was in such pain. The tendonitis in my left wrist exploded because of my rheumatoid arthritis and also just basically inflammation in my body from a terrible, terrible diet. Way too many Diet Cokes, way too much sugar, way too many carbohydrates, processed foods, uh, refined you know, breads and flours, and all that stuff that I know is bad for me. And it, it made, made it so that my left wrist was so painful that I basically, I was up in the middle of the night for two hours trying to figure out how do I get this thing so I can at least fall asleep for a few hours and get up and do the show. I was icing it, I took, you know, uh, Tylenol on top of a leave, which I didn't know if I could do or not safely. So I'm Googling with one hand uh, in a haze on Thursday night. It was that bad. Well, as my nutritionist, Dr. Hillary says, and she's not a doctor, but I call her a doctor anyway. She said very pithily in a text as I sent her, she goes, pain is a great motivator. And so I vowed after that night, I said, I am never going back to that night again, period. And so I think Friday, I did cheat a little bit after I finally woke up from a monster nap. But Saturday morning, I woke up and I said, not having Diet Coke today. And I'm not having Diet Coke tomorrow. I've gone two days. 
Two days. Congratulations. Thank you. Good job by me. Two days without any Diet Coke. But Saturday, I really ate very clean and minimally and felt a lot better. So Sunday morning, I woke up and I felt a lot better in every regard, pretty much all my joints, everything but my left wrist, the tendonitis in my left wrist for the last, say, 10% of motion with a full golf swing, still, ah, it's like, you know, I'd be like, okay, I got this grip is fine, feels good, and ah, so basically trying to hold the angle coming through and then on release was when the pain was. So we do our show, and we just go rush to the first tee. No warm-ups, no nothing. And I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be bad. And I end up just, just sort of painfully plinking it and bunting it around and hitting all kinds of awful shots. And Peter Bondra is such a good dude that he's rooting for all my shots. And he's trying to find something positive. Like, oh, oh, no, that'll be okay. Oh, yeah, no, okay, that, that'll be fine. Okay, yeah, that's good. That kind of stuff. Because he's a great dude. And I felt bad because I was like, I felt like saying, you don't have to root for these shots. Like, I'm just happy I'm out here on a glorious day getting to play with you and talk hockey and golf and everything else. And the difference between Slovakia now and Czech Republic, because remember the two split. Um, I'm like, you don't have to root for my shots because these are like, these are not even my shots. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm a good golfer, but this is not even my game. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm snipe hooking 180 yard three woods. Cause that's all I can stand to hit. And it's like, ow, I might've hit a few good shots, but the camaraderie was nice and it was a good time. Ron is very proud of his club and he should be, it's an outstanding golf course, but he's even more proud of the people that are there. The, the members there, he say, he say, he say, he says, and I believe are very unpretentious, even though a number of them are very successful and have a shit ton of money. One guy I met afterwards, Steve Keithley, Keithley, K-E-I-T-H-L-E-Y. Uh, he calls him over, Ron does. He's like, I want you to meet this guy. I'm like, okay. And he looks like just a regular 60, early 60s dude. He doesn't look like Rambo or anything. And basically Ron said, yeah, Steve here likes to hunt with our buddy Dave Adams. And I'm like, yeah, like, what do you mean hunting? He goes, bow hunting. I said, really? What do you hunt? And he says, everything. And I'm like, tell me more. So he talked about going on some trip to Kansas for whitetail deer. And I said, what? why would you go to Kansas for whitetail? We got whitetail deer overrunning the greater DMV. Many areas in the country have so many whitetail deer, you can't get rid of them all. He said, because they got monster ones in Kansas. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I said, it's all bow hunting, huh? No gun. He's like, nah, compound bow. Mostly I'm trying to get back into traditional bow, but it's compound bow only. And I said, what's the range on that? 50 yards. He said, I like to stay 30 yards or so. It was at that point that he says to me, here, you want to see a picture of the grizzly bear that I got while stalking with a bow? I go, what? Sure enough, unbelievable, massive grizzly bear. He's posing with it. He's got his compound bow, and he killed it with a bow and arrow. And I said, where do you shoot at a grizzly bear with a bow? 
knowing that if you miss, if you graze it, if you hit the bear in the wrong spot, it could be good night for you. He said, you want to get it through both lungs. And I go, really? So you got to be that good of a shot. He goes, yeah, ideally you want to get it there because that'll take it down pretty quick before it can charge you. And I said, okay. I said, what if you don't get it? What if you only get it through one lung or you nick its lung or whatever? Or he moves at the last second. That's when Steve says to me, well, there is somebody that has to back you up with a 300 Magnum just in case. And I then gave it to him. I, I just met this guy. And I, I then started giving him shit. I'm like, oh, well, pff, okay. Like, that's really stalking a grizzly bear on foot with a bow and arrow. Well, okay, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to shoot this grizzly bear. And if I miss, well, then blam, blam, blam. The guy behind me will take him down with a 300 Magnum. But, of course, I was kidding. And we had a good laugh about it because he was a totally cool dude and very unpretentious. He also apparently was part of a group of people who sued BlackBerry for patent infringement on their email system, and they ended up winning a shitload of money. (laughs) But he was just the most regular great dude, and you wouldn't have known it just from meeting him. But I, I almost think that I should get Steve on the podcast to talk about hunting, you know, bow hunting, big animal. He, he has a picture of a bison as well. Fucking bow hunting, huge animals. I'm like, that's crazy. I asked, do you ever, do you ever hunt with anything but bow and arrow? He goes, nah, at this point, not really. I said, why does it make you feel like guns are unfair? He goes, it's not that it's unfair, that it's unsatisfying. He said, anyhow, he is a official measurer for Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young, Buck, Bears, and Stags, all these organizations, magazines, websites, whatever, if you bag something big, Bucks, Bears, or Stags in the greater Maryland area, Steve Keithley, the guy to meet, the guy that's going to judge your your kill and say, look at, the, look at the horn structure on that. Look at the antlers. Anyway, it was a great time playing golf. I could barely knock it around like I normally did, but I'm very encouraged because two days clean living, two days no Diet Coke, most of my body feels a lot better remarkably right away. Left wrist is going to get there eventually fully. Just give it a little time here. I'm in. I'm all in for this. It's all good. All right, let's talk to our man Andy Poland. It's been quite some time. All right, it has been too long since we stopped in with Uncle Andy. Not out of any malice, not out of poor performance here on the Zavecast, just a matter of minutes because, you know, we're starting to add more and more people into the mix. Hope he's not going to be mad about this. Hello, Andy. You know, I was starting to feel like one of those people in the nursing home, like nobody was coming to visit. (laughs) I apologize. You know... It's been so dry sports-wise, and I know you can talk about many other things than sports, but I kind of have, like, your role on the team here, your role on the Zavecast team is definitely solid sports, and so as it got super dry, I said, ah, fuck it, I'll get back to Andy when something happens. And it's been two weeks, I think, I missed you this past week, but it's been two weeks of baseball dicking back and forth with each other, and we still don't have a deal. 
Yeah, you know, I've been uh, well. I covered extensively in 1990 that lockout. Uh, I remember 1981. We all remember, you know, 94 when we didn't have a World Series. This is kind of what they do, uh, and everybody says, "Well, that's it. I'm never watching a game again." The hell with both yeah. of them. Yeah, and they come back. So, in fact, you know, I think was- the last time I talked to you, you said, "Oh no, no, they're close. Don't worry." And that was yeah. two weeks ago. <laughs> that was two weeks ago. They're closed. Don't worry. Literally, let me just get people up to speed here. So I, I went out. I drove an hour and a half to Ron Thomas's golf club today. Did the golf show in the morning. Played golf with Peter Bondra, which was a wonderful treat. Uh, and former Capital uh, Hall of Fame caliber. I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame. Drove home. Took a nap to golf on TV. And by the way, Andy, golf has never been more nappable now that there's no fans. It's glorious for us middle-aged men. And then I just sat down and plugged in the recorder and started talking to you. I didn't check Twitter all day. Does baseball have a deal? What did I miss? Did I miss anything? We're going to have the commissioner tomorrow is going to implement a 50-something game season. Uh, So he's going to implement. Because the last I read, I think, on Saturday morning was the Players Association said, well, if you're going to force us, Better tell us by Monday by six o'clock. Plus, we got a lot of the questions. It was yeah. a very harumphy stance, and essentially, they don't have a deal. They're just going to surrender and be bitches about it. I guess. Well, look, the, the owners keep coming back to slicing off part of the per game. You know that they would have seventy-five percent, eighty percent, and that's going to be a non-starter for the players because that's revenue sharing which they're not going to do. The other thing that developed this weekend, which is a really bad look for the owners is it's been reported that they have a billion dollar extension with TNT to do playoffs. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, uh, you know, and that's unlike the other sports where you have revenue sharing, that would be good for the players, but they don't share that revenue. So they're saying to the players, eh, we're broke. Sorry, we can't afford to pay you. Uh, we're going to lose $640,000 for every game we play. So these are the number of games we can play. Or if you want to play more, we're going to slice you per game. And the players, I think smartly, because the new collective bargaining agreement, as you know, is, is coming up after next season. They're saying, no, we're not going to introduce that virus into the system. Uh, That's not going to happen. It sounds like the players can claim a win by refusing to agree because they're going to get essentially the same amount of money anyway. Yeah, I mean, because the the owners are, are going to make their money with extended playoffs. Now, they won't have that because as part of this you know, system that they can put in, they don't have the agreement with the players to go from 10 to 14 or as many as 16 postseason teams. Right. So, you know, the, but the, uh, the owners are not going to lose their teams over this. And, and no. I think t- Tom Rickett said something like, you know, this is a, a low income business. Oh, <laughs> right. You know, these owners, I you know, I don't know if we had this discussion, you and I, but I, I talked about it. As I looked up the Wikipedia chart of every team and every owner, I quickly realized how few of the owners in baseball, other than the top seven or eight, I actually knew. Yeah. yeah. Like, unlike the NFL, I can go, can you name every NFL owner by team? 
Uh, I don't think so. But I, I bet you could. Half of them. I, I bet you could name almost all of them. Baseball, it's really hard once you get past the usual families. And as somebody put it, I think succinctly in a tweet this weekend, they said, "Look here, owners, you didn't buy a fucking hedge fund. You bought a baseball team." Stop acting like this is all just a financial leverage transaction. But apparently, they don't care, Andy. They don't give a shit, the owners. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, and this has to do with bad blood with players going back 50 years. You know, the, the owners prior to 1976, when they had free agency, uh, they had it over the players. I mean, they were the players were indentured servants, basically. True. Right. to them and, and so the, the the tables turned and they've been getting their ass kicked for you know 50 years now and they're saying wait a minute we're, we're the owners and they're the players and and they're killing us it's almost like and, when jerry richardson said infamously in that meeting with the players before the brief lockout almost 10 years ago now we're gonna take our fucking league back is that what yeah. didn't they didn't he say that to peyton manning I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're going to take our fucking league back. And sure enough, they did. I'm sure baseball wants to do the same thing. Now, there was relative labor peace for a long time. There was renewals of the CBA that went quietly months ahead of time. Right, right, right. They, they, they were able to, to pull that off. I think they've got a very weak union leader now in, in Tony, Tony Clark. Clark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, I think going with a former player was a mistake. I mean, Don fear, worked under Marvin Miller and I spent a lot of time with Don fear during that 1990 lockout. He didn't even like baseball. He, he was just a, a strict <laughs> labor guy, right. you know, and, and, and don't, don't sell me the romance of the game. Okay. Here's the deal. Here's what, here's what the revenue should be. Here's what the split should be. And, uh, and they got it done. Mar- and, and yeah. he didn't blink. Marvin Miller was a stone cold pirate who blazed the path and told these players, you're getting fucked royally. You need to stand tall. And, and they did over a series of strikes in the early 80s that finally got the owners to back off a bit. But Fear, even though he looked like a lip gloss wearing fucking Muppet, he was a <laughs> cutthroat as well. Yeah. And so the two of them were cutthroats. Tony Clark is a former player. And I just don't think he has the same sort of edge that the previous guys had. Yeah, and I don't think he's got the respect of the owners the way that you know, fear and, and his, his group did. I remember when, during the lockout that the players were starting to weaken a little bit and fear brought in Marvin Miller to address the troops, like right. sit down, shut up and learn something from how we got here. You guys like making a million dollars a year. Well, you used to make a top salary of a hundred thousand. So sit and listen. And they didn't cave. And, and the owners, the owners finally did. They finally did cave, and that's that was really that was really the the ouster of Faye Vincent and the rise of uh, of Bud Seeley. Is it that. is it possible that you know if you've got a bunch of guys, the majority of the owners, save for a handful, that are just cutthroat financiers who really don't give a fuck about the game? Shouldn't the players have another Don Fear instead of a former player? Because I'm sure Tony Clark loves the game and breathes the game because he played the game, right? You need mm-hmm. another Don Fear who's just a labor cocksucker who doesn't really care about the game. He's there right. to beat the owners at the negotiating table. One hundred percent, yeah. And and uh, you know the, the football has gotten closer to that with Demar Smith, who's an attorney, not a not a former player, but the structure of football is so different that they, he he really can't be as powerful as a baseball guy could be. 
Well, when it's all said and done, forced march or not, will it suck? Will it be great, meh, or suck this super short August-September baseball season? I feel like if I'm watching a game in the middle of August and we're like three weeks into this, I think people are going to say, eh, you know, it's not what it was, but this is good. And and I, I, I think people will forget about it. I mean, that's that's kind of what happens all the time with these with these labor stoppages yeah. that the teams get back on the field. People forget about the past and they move on. I think that's true about a lot of things in life, Andy, whether they're yeah. personal slights or larger things or big issues. It's like eh, people get over it. The yeah. river of life flows on, you know, whether yeah. you want it to or not. Nobody can stay mad or hold on principle forever. It gives yeah. at some point. Yeah, if, if you're if you're watching Max Scherzer and he's sitting on 17 strikeouts, are you thinking, <laughs> yeah, this is really good, but it'd be a lot better if we had a 70 game season? No, <laughs> your your buddy texts you, dude. Mad Max is sitting on 17 strikeouts. He's got a one hitter. This game is on yeah. tilt. You got to check it out. Yeah, no, I I can't. I took a stance after what baseball did. I'm not going to watch him anymore. Right. Right. right, right. Meanwhile, in the NBA. Just when we thought we had an ironclad plan to get back, here comes Kyrie Irving. Wow. The flat earth idiot who's been a cancer on now two different teams. He may kill the league if he doesn't come to come to realize this is a stupid stance to take. Do you think the NBA is going to settle down and say, okay, we probably should collect our money and we can still exercise our social justice conscience and actually have a bigger stage if we play than versus if we don't play well Kyrie Irving's not playing anyway right he's got a shoulder surgery that's keeping him out so he, he, he's not going to be back on the court anyway right but so he's, he's agitating to the fellow players yeah we shouldn't he said something smells fishy I don't like this because he he want, doesn't want the moment to pass right but but also if if you want to make your social justice stand known seems to me you have a much better chance of doing that if you're actually playing i mean (laughs) right you think yeah and and given that adam silver has been the most uh permissive of commissioners for his players to make stances and to have messages on shirts and bandanas that he will i'm sure adam silver will let them protest appropriately when they come back Tommy Smith, John Carlos, medal stand, Olympics 1968, raised fist. If they do that on the medal stand, don't you think that's a little more impactful than if they did it on the street corner of, say, like Chicago? (laughs) Probably, yeah. Probably. All right, so just because, again, I I kind of unplugged this weekend and it was glorious, uh, what's the latest on the NBA? Has anything moved, settled down? What's the story? Well, I mean, Austin Rivers, and, and I, I don't know him other than I've heard him interviewed a couple of times. I have met his father several times, very impressed by Doc Rivers. Yes. Uh, he, he said what, what we're saying, that if you want yeah. your stand to be known, get on the court and play. Yeah. And, and, I, and here's my also my feeling of this. The bus is being driven by LeBron. LeBron wants to play. They want to play. There, there's no other league where the top superstar can call all the shots. And and I think that, you know, Michael Jordan could have done this in his day and LeBron can do it now. And if yeah. LeBron wants to play, they're going to play. And then the Wizards, should John Wall play? He said he's not gonna. Well, you know why, don't you? No. 
uh, that Buck Hans told us this months ago. The Wizards have an insurance policy. If if John Wall doesn't take the court this year, they collect 80% of his salary. If he steps on the court for one game, they don't get it. No so, way for this oh, year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They oh. took out an insurance policy. So, there, yeah, there's no way he's playing. He is, says he's 110%, but he's not going to play. Is that, is that insurance policy being openly talked about, or is that a Buck Hans insider type deal? Uh, I, I haven't heard it anywhere else besides Buck Hans, but – so it's not no so so it's not being talked about publicly that's interesting that it wouldn't get out i'm not saying you're wrong i'm saying it makes perfect sense i'm just wondering why everyone's been so tight-lipped about it yeah i i imagine it's the same thing with kevin durant because durant quickly came out and said oh no i'm not playing i wonder if if you could be hit with insurance fraud if you come out and say huh i could definitely play but I want to collect 80% due to our insurance policy. Wouldn't the insurance policy lawyers go, uh, yeah, let's, let's call our lawyers on this. I, I don't know if the, you know, then, then you get into the fine print. Is there any obligation to play if you are cleared? Oh. That's, the, that's the question. The I mean, look, fine print on an insurance contract. What a wonderful land that is, huh, Andy? Heretofore, notwithstanding, parties counter-enjoined to agree upon good faith, blah, 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 blah. Mel Kiefer has, I don't know whether he still does it, but at one time he was a consultant for Lloyd's of London. And really? they would ask him, yeah, they would ask him, you know, such and such a player if, uh, you know, they take out insurance policies while they're still in college. So if this player is going to be projected in your mock draft in the second round, how much money would he make over the course of his career? And Mel said the way it would work is if you suffered an injury in college, let's say, and you could never t- play a snap in the NFL, you would collect the money. But if you suffered that injury in college, say it knocked out your senior year and you went to a tryout in the NFL and you went to a, a practice boom, you get none of the money. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. I believe that Anthony Kim, former top five golfer in the world and one-time Ryder Cup star who has basically mm-hmm. fallen off the face of the earth, he, like nobody even sees him anymore, anywhere, mm-hmm. apparently had an insurance policy after he injured his wrist that, that many speculate he's cashed in on mm-hmm. because they said if he enters one pro tournament, doesn't matter what he does. That's it. The insurance policy is null and void. Yeah, that makes sense. Wasn't it true Lloyd's of London that once upon a time Lloyd's of London insured Mary Hart's legs, the television host for Entertainment Tonight? She had these amazing long gams. Did you ever hear that rumor? I heard heard that, but it, it would seem to be a pretty safe bet if you want to call it that on the part of Lloyds of London because what are the odds of her legs being chopped off I don't know the premium would be very low I imagine yeah. it's like oh 49.95 a month no problem we're good yeah. you're insured for 10 million dollars if she has to be a paraplegic I mean if, if she sprains her ankle it doesn't mean she can't work anymore you know but that again Andy that's why they have insurance for shit you can't see coming if the, if the legs, like, they couldn't put Mary Hart as as Stumpy behind a desk. <laughs> Sorry, that's so wrong. They couldn't put her behind a desk with a skirt and be like, yeah, this is the same as it was. Mary Hart, we want entertainment tonight, this big Lucite news table. Right. And a underneath where you could just see those legs gently crossed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, what is she saying? I don't know. I'm looking at her legs. <laughs> 
big Dodger fan. You ever see her sitting behind the plate? She's got seats. Larry mm. King is there sometimes. No, I did not. How is Mary Hart holding up as she advances uh, into her age 60-something season? Yeah, she's, uh, she's not, hanging in there. Not terrible, yeah. right? Not terrible. How are you hanging in in your age 62 season? Andy, uh, I'll be 62 in August, and uh, yeah, I'm doing fine. I had a good, nice bike ride yesterday, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so good, I got you, good genetics. Good, you are well, but you live a good, clean, simple life, yeah, and you avoid the kind of things that you know wreck people's lives, and that's a right. good thing. Uh, Mary Hart is 69, Andy. Wow, yeah. 69, yeah. and she's still she's holding up well, given that. She doesn't have a lot of overt plastic surgery. Right, right, right. She's been off the air for a while now, right? Maybe 10 years? Uh, Mary Hart retires from Entertainment Tonight. Headline click, come on. 2011. Andy Mm -hmm. fucking Poland with the dates. (laughs) Nine years. I was off by a year. Do you know that she once dated um, Andy Warhol? Really? That must have been odd. Or wait a minute, did she date him? I'm looking at this picture just popped up on my New York Times link. Yeah, Mary Hart and Andy Warhol in 1985. Wow, he was weird. Very <laughs> weird guy. Absolutely. Okay, um, the Redskins' name is yeah. back in the crosshairs. This is, is odd. Is really this? Odd. Is, well, okay, it, it's not odd to me. I said a while ago, after it seems like the battle had been won with the New York with the Washington Post survey that showed an overwhelming number of Native Americans either liked it or didn't mind, um, I said the battle's not over. The forces that want the name gone are going to retreat up to the hills, sort of like a guerrilla force, and they will be back at the appropriate time. And now they're back, given the the current events, and you've got guys mm-hmm. pushing hard for it. Why do you think it's odd? Well, uh, in that Muriel Bowser at the Welcome Home Luncheon made this big plea for the Redskins to come back to Washington. She didn't say, as long as you change your name. Now, she's emboldened by the forehand slam she just delivered to the president by playing, painting Black Lives Matter across his front front doorstep there. Right. Uh, and so maybe she feels like that. But but I was told that Jack Evans, who's no longer on the city council, uh, had to resign in, in shame. Uh, was able to convince her, look, let's get the Redskins back. The name thing will take care of itself. Shut up about the name, which she did for a long time. And now she seizes an opportunity when, uh, look, uh, maybe there is a possibility that the Redskins are going to come back. It seems like they've been, you know, turned away by Virginia and Maryland. So maybe she knows that Washington is their only option and she's taking advantage of the current events, as you say, to yeah. know, play this card. I don't know. It, the it's mayor, very strange. The mayor was on our station yeah. with Doc and Galdi and said flat out, I think it's time to change the name, one that we can all be proud of. She said it's a problem from a stadium standpoint, both in the district with her constituents and she claimed with the federal government that owns the land. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. I mean, I, I to me, the, the Washington Post poll, which is now five years, it, it was a game At changer. It Nine should, out of ten. It should have been a game changer. But again, see, see the, my feeling is, and, and just for the record, Andy is okay with the name Sunsetting, right? 
I would be okay with it, but but I and I was I was in favor of it sunsetting until the Washington Post poll came out, and I said, hmm, okay, well, it doesn't seem to be a hot button issue for for the people right. it matters most to. Yeah, my my uh, my stance is that it, things can't suddenly be racist; either they are or they aren't, and you're making an argument that is based on shifting sort of tonality in the country that is only tangential to the name itself. Because if you know the history of the name, and you do, Andy, it mm-hmm. is not one that was just like, ah, ha, ha, yeah, let's let's call them Redskins. That'll that'll serve them right. It it's not that way. It was born of a different time, and and the the peoples that consider themselves Native Americans and or Redskins have never thought of it on large. Not not every single one, but I'd say, like the post poll said, seventy, eighty, ninety percent. They've not thought of it as a slur. Yeah, I, I, I think it was a result of stationary, if you want my opinion. Do tell. The, uh, the, uh, the team debuted as the Boston Braves in 1932, and uh, they played in the same stadium that the Boston Braves baseball team did, and there was confusion, and they, they needed to differentiate themselves. So I believe they had a lot of stationary printed up with an Indian head on it for Braves. So Get rather out. than throw out all this old stationery and, and change the, the whatever logo they had, they said, we'll go with Redskins. Close enough. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, well, I you know, know what? That that could be a theory right there. From a district standpoint, if you want the team and you want the stadium in the district, which I think would be smart for the mm-hmm. district, there's a lot of sense in the strategy that you kind of outlined with Jack Evans no longer there. Look, get the team in the stadium first. That'll be permanent. The name will eventually fall if you just let it hang in there long enough. Like, that's the most important thing. Get the stadium, get the team, and then let things take their course. No, I agree. I, and, and I think that, that Evans had a, had a sound strategy. And you didn't hear a peep out of Bowser about the name until this past week from, from that period of time. Yeah. I know. I hope, I hope though, because you and I both want the team and the stadium in the district. It, Absolutely. It needs to be there. It's like the rug and the big Lebowski, Andy. It what <laughs> ties the room together, right? <laughs> well, right? Yeah, doesn't yeah. doesn't doesn't the team tie our vast sprawling metropolis together if it's in DC? I think it does. Well, and, and also the way that, that people now have gotten used to not going to games, if if you want them to come, are you gonna ask them to schlep out to Loudoun County? I don't Duh. think so. I hate Loudoun County. Wait a minute. I live in Loudoun County. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's Loudoun is out. Basically, it would be that awful site south of the Beltway, that mystery site or shutter, God forbid, rebuild in Raljon, which seems most likely at this point. Oh, my God. No. That's uh, that's where they are. I mean, I think that, that Snyder wants to build something similar to what they have in Foxborough. Of course, usually it takes a team that goes to a bunch of Super Bowls to make that <laughs> popular. But exactly. <laughs> oh my God! You know, we've known you and I that they were going to need need a new stadium probably as early as o two. Oh, from from the FedEx Field. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. At least, I mean, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was bad from the beginning. It was so, thrown up by Jack Ken Cook he, in a he, in he, a hurry. He was gonna he was gonna die, and he, it was supposed to be a thirty six month project. He put it up in eighteen months. Yeah, in a bad place. 
So all the hours you and I spent over our 16 years on the air talking about the stadium and this, that, and the other, I would have never believed that we're sitting here on the verge of a possibility. It's not yet a done deal, but just a possibility that they rebuild in the same fucking shitty location. Ral John, Maryland. You got to be kidding me. Like this well, is this is insane that this could yes, happen. But 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 I also remember you sitting in the studio and saying, <laughs> "We're ten years away from blackouts." And I said, "Come on, <laughs> come on!" They say they got a two hundred thousand seat waiting list. And it was five. Oh it was five years, and the only reason it didn't happen was because the NFL quickly got rid of blackouts. They were oh, like, yeah. "This is going to look bad." So yeah, yeah, they had to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing if it's Tampa and Jacksonville being blacked out. It's another if it's major cities. You can't have it. All right, D.C. Sports Hall of Fame, Andy, I need you to weigh in on this. The latest class has been announced, and there's been a list of people who are curiously not yet in this austere hall. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm not on that committee. I'd like to be. I know some of the names. You deserve are. to be. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've talked to people, but nobody's nobody's invited me to, to do it. Gary Clark is going in. That's good. Okay. Um, you know, Ken Beatrice, I think, deserves to go in for – you know, a variety of reasons, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's odd the way they do it. Uh, I, I am on other hall of fame committees and it's sort of like when a name bubbles up and it's not really a, a, a real organized process. So some of these names have been overlooked and, you know, I mean, there really is no hall of fame other than like a big poster in the outfield at Nats Park, right? I mean, there's, there's no, where, no, where is no, the physical hall? That's, there isn't one. That's the thing. Really? Yeah. So they have a day, they get introduced and, you know, they wave to the crowd and their names appear somewhere in Nats Park. That's it. Steve Buck, media members that are in include Steve Buckhans. Ken mm-hmm. Beatrice goes in posthumously. Uh, for those that don't know, my listeners in Wisconsin and elsewhere, Ken Beatrice was the original sports radio host of record here in D.C. And a guy who was fantastic at taking a tiny grain of sports truth and blowing it up, Andy, into a full-fledged lie Yeah, <laughs> about uh, scouts he- that he had <laughs> that he didn't have, about players that he had seen that he didn't know, and on and on. Yeah, I mean he 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 makes Donald Trump look like <laughs> look, look, look like I don't know what like You know uh, what though his act was a lot like Francesca's. Yeah, yeah, it was. Supreme I mean, like, confidence, not in the belittling way that Francesca gets, but Ken was more gentle in it, but he wanted you to know he had to have you know. He needed you to know he knew everything. He was right. god of sports knowledge and you couldn't check him in the 80s because there was no internet. Well, you got to you got to realize how different the business was. The business now is about opinions because everybody has access to the same resources that you do, and so he would set himself up as the know-it-all. And I and I watched him do this. He would. He, this is one of his big lies. If I'm reading something, I'll tell you. But somebody would call up, let's say, a question about Troy Aikman, and he'd start to answer about Troy Aikman while he sifted through his rosters till he found the Cowboys one, and he would begin to read you heights and weights of the lineman while you're driving along and you know, you're looking at traffic, you're thinking about what you're supposed to pick up on your way home from work. You're not really focusing on that. So all you're hearing are heights and weights. You're thinking, Jesus, this guy knows everything. 
He's six, two and a half and three thirty five and a <laughs> right. quarter. And right. you go, wow, how does he know that? Well, he's reading it. <laughs> you know, uh, Marty Aronoff is in. He's a stats guy. Oh, That's yeah. All he's- he did is stats for team. Phil Hochberg, my buddy, the PA, PA announcer for various teams is in the Hall of Fame. Look, oh. Andy, you deserve in on this Hall of Fame. And I'd say I ought to have an outside shot 20 years in afternoon drive on sports radio, shouldn't that be equal to or more than a fucking PA announcer? <laughs> Easy. Pardon my French, for God's <laughs> sakes, but seriously. I know, I know Phil, and Phil did it for a long, long time. So okay. uh, I wouldn't, I'm wouldn't. i not looking to get in the Hall of Fame. I just want to be, you on, won't the be on the committee. Well, yeah, I'm just saying it, w- it wouldn't be out of the realm for me to say that you actually deserve to be on there. Well, thank you. I don't know where that'll happen, but that's, that's nice of you to say. Yeah, of course, you don't really – I don't know if you get anything. I don't know if you get a discount at Starbucks. Uh, I don't know if there's an, a bus that you get. It, it just sounds like a, a dinner that I'd have to attend that I'd want to back out of. So and It's not a dinner. No, you just go to a game, except uh, they, they might they, they might make you stay till the seventh inning stretch when they introduce you. You know what, Andy? Long for you. If that's it, I'm out. <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to be in your silly Hall of Fame. All right, Andy. Glad you're riding your bike. Today was glorious 68 for a high on a june sunday in the nation's capital god was it great weekend all right buddy let's hope everything gets spun up here soon we're dying without sports we'll talk next week thanks bud take care let's end on this john hinderaker 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 writes for the powerlineblog.com has a story that's titled, A Fantasy with a Predictable Ending. In Minneapolis, activists were all a flutter, and they were like, yay, we're doing good. Why? Because in the wake of all the violence and the protests and the riots, it was all mixed together, legit protests, violence, yes, and rioting and burning shit down, They uh, volunteers had turned a former Sheraton Hotel into a sanctuary for the homeless. Can I get a collective? Aww. They were really proud of it, and they were saying things like this to the paper. This is not temporary. We're going to make this permanent. It's a revolutionary model, said one of the volunteers. And they said, we're going to find a way to make it work. We're going we're gonna to help you know, solve the problem of the unhoused with this former Sheridan Hotel that has been shut down during the riots and we're going to make it permanent somehow. We don't really know or who's going to pay for it, but again, oh, we're giving them a place to live. Well, fast forward to about two weeks is all it took. And by the way, the owner of the hotel, Jay Patel, said um, he was okay with it. He didn't want to be the guy that says, what? Bunch of homeless in my hotel? Fuck that. Get out of here. He went along with it. He's like, hey, okay, you know what? Look, we can, we can, let's work on something. Let's try to find a mod. I don't know what would work. I mean, they're homeless. How are they going to pay rent? What, what traveler is going to pay money, even the cheapest rate you can offer? Uh, is the Sheridan Corporation going to say, oh, yeah, you want to have the first couple floors homeless people? Yeah, it's fine. Still a Sheridan. Still get the free soap and the free pancakes in the morning or whatever. Well, it took like two weeks. And guess what? No, no. Don't guess. 
Oh, wait, you already know? You already know the ending of this? What, did you read the story? Oh, oh no, you didn't read the story. You just used your brain, huh? The place quickly became a shithole. And it quickly became a place of misery and a place of drug use and a place where somebody died of an overdose. At that point, the owner said, mm, yeah, okay, guess what? Um, we're going to have to shut this down. It lasted like two weeks. All the TVs apparently were stolen. Uh, the, the, the hallways were completely trashed. Uh, according to one volunteer, it started out well, then descended into chaos. People got the message that this was a place where they could use drugs freely. And that attracted the wrong crowd. It was a wonderful intention, but it had no shot of solving the homeless problem in Minneapolis, even a small slice of it. It wasn't a long-term solution to the homeless problem, and it wasn't even a short-term solution. It was just a nice idea, a fantasy, a wish. And instead of being undaunted by this, I imagine that people are going to just keep trying shit like this. People that want to believe in these sort of magical things. Homelessness is a complicated, vexing problem that overlaps with mental disease, drug addiction, social ostracization, uh, families that just don't want anything to do with people you know who are homeless, Sit, you know, businesses that don't want them hanging around because it's bad for business. It's a complicated problem. Can you spend money? tax money to build shelters, homeless shelters. We do already. And we want to try to get them in there, but you can't let the homeless shelters then turn into drug dens. Because then, as the volunteer admitted, it started out wonderfully, but then quickly descended into chaos. Oh, well. At least they tried. Can we get them a t-shirt for that? At least they tried. That's a wrap for today. Thank you very much for downloading. Keep your head up amongst all the madness. Live your life fully as I will try to do myself, and we will carry on, people. Don't forget, we've changed to Red Circle, so if you get a chance and you subscribe to Fridays, please cancel Libsyn. Go over to Red Circle. We're going to close Libsyn entirely by the end of the month, so I think if you don't do anything, it'll automatically close out, but I don't know that for sure. If you have any problems, please email me, zabe at yahoo.com. We'll get you untangled chop chop and on your way at red circle you can pay for the whole year at once 12 months for the price of 11 and you get your uh, podcast delivered to any platform almost that you want so you can still pay month to month if you like there and uh, if you have to cancel at any time cancel at any time if you're monthly if you're for the year (laughs) suckers i got you wait did i just say the out loud part that was supposed to be the in my head part Rate and review, as always, to please our algorithmic gods. Have a great Monday, folks, and we will see you tomorrow.